Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. What an absolutely beautiful Saturday morning. Broadcasting from the Ortega parking lot of the city of Wickenburg. Is it a burg or is it a city? Well, we're here. We're in Wickenburg. And we're celebrating the 200th birthday of the city's namesake, Henry Wickenburg. They've got festivities going on all weekend long. Started with a big dinner at the Vulture City Ghost Town Mine last night. They're going to have bands tonight, dinner and dancing. They've got kids' activities. They're doing a presentation of the key of the city to one of Henry Wickenburg's living descendants who has come all the way from Essen, Germany, to receive the key. So they're having a good time. We're having a good time. We're here to celebrate it. And we thought, what should a home improvement show talk about when we're celebrating in Wickenburg, Arizona, Henry Wickenburg's 200th birthday, other than ranch houses? So when I want to talk architecture, particularly if I want to talk the historical origins of architecture or anything about the history of Arizona, I reach out to my good friend and architect, Mr. Don Ryden. Don, thanks for joining us here this morning. It is indeed my pleasure to be here. What a gorgeous day. Well, where else could you go uh, other than Wickenburg to see, you know, the iconic western ranch house and what i want to start with you first on is we did a series back in the bicentennial year where we talked about the history of all types of architecture what started ranch early settlement by spanish colonists and then later on of course the american push out West. All of those people had their own version of rural construction using the materials that they had at hand because there were no railroads, there were no trucks, there were barely wagon roads. Right. So they had to build their homes and ranches out of the materials at hand. And so you have buildings of adobe, of um, sawed lumber and uh, bricks and stones. So it's all very vernacular, that is, made by the people themselves. There were no designers. It was traditional shapes that worked with the environment for shade, for catching rain, for shedding rain, keeping people cool or keeping people warm. And I love the practical side of the evolution of, of the architecture, because if you're an early settler, you've got your choice of lots, right? <laughs> uh, On your 40 acres? Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, uh, wherever you opt to homestead, you're probably going to do that around a water source if you're in the southwest. So once I find a, a reliable water source, I start looking for the right siting for the home. Everything that they learned as far as orientation of doors and windows to capture prevailing breezes, take care of the temperature differential between night and day, and 
create the shade necessary to keep the sun off the exterior walls. That just infatuates me. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, they were just uh, very practical people. And uh, in our own modern times with new technology and so forth, so much of that practicality and sustainability and resilience has been swept to the wayside uh, just for the sake of profiting from uh, perhaps mass production housing. Yeah, yeah. We, we power past all those practical solutions that were a part of the evolution of, the, of this type of home. If you can put an air conditioner or an evaporative cooler and a thermostat on the wall, you don't really have That's to right. worry about shading the windows or creating big, deep porches. Uh, so the ranch house dates back to as early as European occupation of the Southwest. Oh, yes. Okay. But when did, when did builders and architects turn it in from a, from a ranch house to a ranch style? Ah, uh. That's kind of uh, an interesting story. The real origins of our ranch-style houses began in the depths of the Depression when uh, actually a competition was held by a national magazine, and it called on architects to come up with a new design of a respectable, comfortable and affordable home that would be a new way of thinking, of living, that swept aside all of the ornamentation and, uh, I suppose, cultural baggage of the bungalow of the 1910s and of the period revival houses uh, of the 1920s, things like Tudor revival and mission and Spanish colonial and uh, things like that. So all of this European influence, they swept aside. And so a man, an architect called Cliff May, answered that call and developed uh, this simple ranch style based upon historic ranch houses. Okay. So, and he's he's a uh, California based, right? Yes, right. Like Northern California. Yes, like, that is correct. Yeah, okay. And so he used the simplicity of vernacular ranch architecture to come up with the concept for simplistic homes for mass housing in the depression and then it all just took off with mass production after World War II with the development of new modern materials and uh, uh, methods by which to uh, have assembly line construction. Well, so what, what does it have to be to be a ranch house? Um, and then you can tack all kind of things on the face of it and turn it into how many different ranch styles are there? Well, it began with what you would call an early ranch or transitional ranch, which almost looked like the old uh, pioneer type things, just totally devoid of ornamentation. But after the war, in order to market the product of mass-produced housing, the subdivision developers 
would give you eh, two, three, four floor plans. Sure. And each floor plan would have a different facade treatment on it. Right. And so, oddly enough, they hearkened back to the older period revivals. So you could, uh, you could get uh, American colonial ranch. You could have different ornamentation on it that made it Spanish colonial. It could even be, um, uh, I suppose, uh, English or wh- whatever. Oh, my favorite? <laughs> yes. <laughs> my favorite is a Japo-Swiss split-level ranch house. I've, I sense some sarcasm in that. Oh, no, it's not sarcasm. <laughs> it's, it's just a, a total amusement and bemusement of how the marketeers and the designers and the, uh, uh, the developers took the simple ranch house concept and morphed it into all of these other variations. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just really amazing how the evolution of the simple, uh, rather humble ranch house developed into something completely different. Wow. So if, I mean, the, the things I like about ranch, I mean, what's what's identified as ranch inside my brain. Yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a masonry home. It's low ceilings, low pitch roof, big overhangs, big patios. Uh, it's all the things that I love about a home because it tends to be extremely low maintenance and extremely easy living. The only thing I would do different from the ranches of the early 40s and 50s is I would make them much more open floor plan and not little cubicle rooms down the hall. Exactly. And, yeah, you get that a lot with the double-loaded hallway with the bedroom on either side. Yeah, exactly. But what's really interesting about the boxiness of um, the larger early ranch houses, especially the, well— the, the California ranch houses of the late 60s, those really were kind of called rambling ranch houses. And you've seen the floor plans where you might have a major, just a rectangular base in the middle, and then you have all these bent angles and wings on the house. Well, all that is really from Cliff May's idea of what exactly happened at the uh, old historic ranch houses where as a family grew, they would infill between all of these buildings scattered along the uh, hillside at different angles. The barn became the... The barn was the new living room yeah. and, and the tack house and the bunk house is where the kids' wing was. And so the idea was to hook them all together to make a big family house. So... That's, that's where uh, the floor plan came from for rambling ranch houses of the 60s. Talking ranch houses from Wickenburg, Arizona, with my good friend, architect Don Ryden. Y'all, don't go anywhere. We're going to come back and talk quite a bit more about this same subject. And why? I want to know why. How, what moved the garage from the back of the house to the front of the house? 
We'll find out when we get back with John. <laughs> Sanderson Ford and Sanderson Lincoln invite you and your family to stuff the sleigh for Operation Santa Claus. Toys, clothing, non-perishable food items, and monetary donations for Operation Santa Claus will be accepted at all Valley Walmart stores from now until 2 p.m. today. Plus, all month long, Sanderson Ford is giving thanks to customers and employees. Thank you to all branches of our military and first responders who put their lives on the line every day to protect and serve. Show your support for law enforcement. Sanderson Ford is changing the Black Friday sale event into the Blue Friday sales event with the purchase of any new Ford or lease. Every customer gets a free ring doorbell. Now until 2 p.m., bring your toys, clothing, non-perishable food items, and monetary donations for Operation Santa Claus to all Valley stores. And when you're ready for your new car buying experience, Sanderson Ford. Talking ranch houses here at Rosie on the House from Wickenburg, Arizona, where we're celebrating Henry Wickenburg's 200th birthday. Special thanks to the sponsors for the entire weekend, the town of Wickenburg, Vulture City, the Flying E Ranch, Desert Caballeros Western Museum, and the Wickenburg Historical Preservation Society. So, Don, we're talking ranch houses. There was a, a time when the carriage house was detached or in the back. What on earth got into you architect's head to make the garage door the biggest single architectural feature of the front of the house? Actually, I think it was probably the civil engineers and the developers who changed the shape of neighborhoods and the proportions of lots before ranch-style houses, which are long, low, wide ramblers that are made to look big, impressive, spread out, plenty of room for indoor-outdoor living. Before that, houses were narrow and skinny and just was the face of the house with no car showing on the front of any sort, like bungalows or or, uh, Pueblo-style, things like that. How many many of the historic homes you've redone in downtown Phoenix? There's not even a carport. It's just an alley access to a carriage house in the back. That is correct, and those were streetcar neighborhoods that were based on pedestrian traffic. So you'd walk down your block to the big arterial street and pick up the streetcar to go downtown Phoenix. It all changed after the war, and the style of the ranch house stretched wide. So to get the same number of houses in the subdivision, they had to shrink the depth of the lots. Okay. And so, to make the houses even more impressive and more wide, they tacked on at least a one carport, two carport, or you know, two car garage on the front of the house. It was also kind of appealing to the vanity of the homeowners to show off the f- tail fins of their new 1957 <laughs> station wagon <laughs> Ford. And so it was a show of success as well. And so you'll even find in some of these neighborhoods after a while, they did not even bother putting in sidewalks because nobody was walking. 
you'll notice ranch houses have just a, usually a tiny front porch or a stoop, and all the living was done in the backyard. Yes. And that's the flip-flop of the sociability of the streetscapes. That's one of the reasons why these, these carports got moved up to the front. And the carport, like the corner window, is an element of Frank Lloyd Wright's designs for his Usonian houses. So he was a proponent in the Southwest of building carports rather than garages. Why spend the money uh, to enclose a car to keep the snow off when you can just use a carport instead? And the, and the corner window? Right. Was associated with that? Yes, he wanted to break the box. So instead of having okay. little rooms with boxes, uh, like boxes with square holes punched in them for windows, he gave you greater space feel in the house by putting the windows in the corners so you could look diagonally through a room and maybe line up the doors throughout the house that you could look clean through the house on the diagonal and see the backyard off into the corner. So the corner window was a Wrightian affectation of greater spaciousness, and he would uh, uh, break out all of these boxes, and he would put in Arcadia doors or French doors in great banks across the back of the house to bring the indoors out, outdoors in. So there's Rydian coming together with Ranchian. Okay. <laughs> and, and bringing the outside in, uh, we're in the perfect place for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, sometimes, uh, even today, we do uh, remodels of houses that have the great big uh, bifold or trifold French doors so that the people can just disappear a wall from the backside of their living room or family room so that you can just spill right out onto the big uh, big back porch. So you double the size of your of your uh, living space. The, in living, the, in the, the living room gets moved or expanded to outside. It's got all the electronic features and the big screen TVs and the kitchen environments and the uh, sure. misting cooling or heating, whatever you want. Right, exactly. Uh, so we live in a wondrous place. Well, we've got to get back specifically to talking ranch. We've, we've, we've run down one of Rosie's bunny trails. Which is easy, <laughs> which is easy for me to do with Don, because the breadth of knowledge is the broad, the, the bandwidth is so wide, we can literally go down any subject, and and Don can carry his own on that. Would you, yes or no? Would you consider the Reardon Mansion a ranch house? Nope. Okay, we'll get back to that right <laughs> after this. We'll find out why the Reardon Mansion, one of the most iconic, beautiful architectural homes. Uh, and historic in located in downtown near the camp on the campus of NAU in Flagstaff why he doesn't consider it a ranch and maybe he can come up with one that we would all know you would consider a ranch hmm. right after this with Don Wright hmm. welcome back to Rosie on the House I tell people all the time hey just tune in 
It's just like joining me in the living room, visiting with friends. And boy, that's exactly what we're doing today, visiting with good friend, world-renowned architect, Mr. Don Ryden. (laughs) World-renowned. I always, always get a kick out of the time we spend together. So we're talking ranch houses. Who knew there were 17 different types of ranch houses in Arizona? I threw out Reardon Mansion, and you said, no. Nah. 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 What is it? Well, exactly. It's an arts and crafts house. Okay. A bungalow. It is indeed a replica of a very large log cabin. It's a cool house. It is a cool house. And what's so amazing about it is while it looks like a log cabin, actually it's two houses jammed together and connected with a great big billiard room, but it isn't made of logs at all. It's made out of log slabs. So it's just quarter logs nailed to stud walls. Yeah, and now it's got a stone foundation. And, Built by and, two guys that own a lumber mill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael and Timothy Reardon, they the, the they lumber done kings. They anything they wanted to do. Well, and they did, too. Okay. And so when you go inside, you'll see arts and crafts uh, like uh, mission furniture, custom built out of oak. It's it's just a gorgeous place. You, you've you've got to go see it if you've It's you've a great tour. It. it really is. And the innovations that they implemented into the logistics of the house are fascinating. Not unlike, uh, how do you pronounce it, the Rawson House? Yeah, like the Rawson House, which is a Victorian. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. but I mean, lots of innovations on how you live in Arizona before they invented air conditioning. Okay, so if Reardon isn't a ranch, uh, give me an example everyone would know that is a ranch. Well, if you're as old as I am, you you certainly see the prominence of Barry Goldwater's house okay. up on top of the okay. hill in uh, uh, Paradise Valley. I can yeah. remember as a kid driving by that and seeing how it just kind of draped yes. over the the top of the hill, and then it was crested by his giant ham radio antenna. antenna you knew right. that was Barry Goldwater's yeah. house. But it was a rambling ranch house itself, and he loved the West. He loved Arizona. His parents and grandparents helped found the state. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a giant one that uh, you can still see up on the hills. Uh, but another uh, variety that's one of those those strange subsets of ranch. Yeah. You'll what find are the seventeen subsets. Uh, maybe even well, one. Maybe the eighteenth. Maybe, uh, maybe the eighteenth. Oh, there's probably more than that. Is in Tucson, and it's what we call the territorial ranch house. It has a flat roof instead of a low pitched gable or hipped roof. That was as big a mistake as moving the garage to the front of the house. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what can we say? But it, who's the famous world famous architect from Tucson that kind of drove that? Now that's the world famous guy. His name was John, Josias Jostler. And he was actually born in Switzerland. In Switzerland. Yeah. I, yeah. That's yeah. the only thing I remembered about him. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> good for you. So, uh, yeah, he uh, was born in Switzerland, studied in Europe, and came to America and uh, settled at last in Tucson. And he used his uh, design principles of Europe and combined them with the uh, vernacular and indigenous materials of Arizona to create some 
beautiful, yeah. beautiful yes. custom homes in the foothills of Tucson with uh, Murphy, who was the builder. They were kind of partner design and build yeah. in that big custom home neighborhood. And uh, these territorial homes were, of course, flat tops that kind of looked like Pueblo uh, architecture. But he used red-fired adobes to do his homes out of. And then they would smear the uh, surface of it with mortar wash. Just a mortar wash. Yeah, just a mortar wash. So you didn't plaster at all. You just kind of made it look like a pinto, (laughs) Uh, a a painted horse uh, with this. And you never had to paint. You never had to replaster. There were no cracks. It was super low-maintenance approach to construction. So he he had uh, rooms and, and angles that fit the land, just like the old ranch houses that we were talking about that inspired Cliff May. But he did them anew with the Tucson twist. Well, there isn't a community you could go into uh, Arizona, not Tucson, not Phoenix, not Wickenburg, Prescott, Flagstaff, where you're not seeing people try and give the ranch a renewed look. Right. And I know you have some pretty strong feelings about that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's just uh, just a feeling of uh, uh, letting a building be itself. Now, so many of the ranch houses, ranch style houses in the subdivisions are admittedly kind of bland. And people like to freshen them up and modernize them, and that's that's fine. But if you're on a kind of a tight budget and you've got a ranch-style house, I would recommend that you enhance it using the materials and the detailing and the features of porches and awnings and so forth that actually are part of the ranch-style architecture. So if you're going to take a plain ranch house, enhance it a little bit using its own vernacular, its own language. If you're doing something, you know, if if you've got a lot of money and you're really wanting to do something that just completely changes it or modernizes it, that's something different. Uh, And yeah, go ahead and do that. But I would I Ask. see a lot of them being transformed into what I would call mid-century modern boxes. Yeah, yeah. There, there's another a branch. completely different flavor. Yeah, that's a different flavor of the era, which were the contemporary style houses, which came to us from California from a developer named Eichler. And uh, here, uh, they're famously now known as Haver houses after oh, the yeah, architect yeah, sure. uh, Ralph Haver. And so those are modern versions of contemporary houses. So if, if you had a metaphor between the ranch-style house and the contemporary house of the 60s, you would be comparing it, – well, it's like Toy Story. The ranch house is Woody, and the contemporary house is Buzz Lightyear. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, I can get that. Yeah, you get I that. Get so that. I guess I would just warn uh, – homeowners that think in the next larger scale, 
think of what your changes to your house is going to mean to the integrity of the look of your streetscape. That well, is, there's a lot of people not giving that any consideration. That's, that's for sure. That started with the McMansion stuff, right? That's exactly right. And you talk about McMansions and ranch-style houses. We lament the loss of the integrity of the streetscapes in beautiful Arcadia here in Phoenix. Those have been transformed totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you, <clears throat> when you consider the original appeal of it was large lots, mature landscaping, you scrape all that and go setback to setback with a footprint of a building and take it up two stories and blah. Ah, yeah, <laughs> well, that's a shame, but that's, uh, that's how it goes sometimes. It's lamentable, but we move on. All right. So let's repeat a little bit. We've talked a lot about the different styles of ranch, but if you're a what are they? There's the uh, traditional early ranch, the California ranch, the Spanish colonial ranch, the French provincial ranch, the American colonial ranch. You even mentioned in Tucson the territorial ranch. I mean, what's the one common denominator that makes them all ranch? Long and low. Okay. And traditional Old West materials and... The twist to our 20th century houses is that instead of relating to the street for your family, you move to the back of the house and you invite your friends over for your own house parties. And you put up a six-foot block wall all the way around the backyard. <laughs> Welcome to Phoenix. <laughs> we, we are truly unique in that characteristic, neighborhood <laughs> characteristic. That is true. It uh, makes me so surprised to go to northern Minnesota and see the neighborhoods where their houses are just sitting out in these big lawns that everyone shares. You cannot define the property lines you, in you some of these neighborhoods. You can across 20 backyards. Yeah, exactly. And it's everybody's bicycle and trampoline <laughs> and uh, upright swimming pool and lounge chairs and barbecues and they're all... It's all just there. That's right. And when the big wind comes, everything <laughs> shifts. But everybody still has stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, Don, I can't thank you enough for being with us here at this broadcast from Wickenburg, um, talking ranch homes. Now, can we talk just briefly about a ranch home in this general vicinity that you've actually been recently retained to do something with? Yes, yes. We <laughs> well, it's, out, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, oh, well, uh, yeah, uh, working for the Bureau of Land Management, okay. the, the one out in the middle of, uh, in the, middle of the desert. It, it, you drive from Phoenix to Wickenburg for an hour and a half, and then you get off the road and drive an hour and a half towards Alamo Lake. It's a place called Palmerita Ranch. There are two melting adobe houses <laughs> out there that in themselves show all three plateaus of the development of the ranch-style house. A 1916 adobe of two rooms, a 1936 simple ranch house of adobe, and then a 1946 addition to the adobe, the original, which envelops it, and it's like the California style. So if you go out and look at these semi-ruined homes, 
it, it's open, wide open. You can go see them. You can see the three plateaus of ranch-style architecture at Palmerita Ranch. And, Don, you, you've done so much. It's not your only niche, but you've done so much historical renovation. If people wanted to see samples of your work, where, where's the gallery? Where's the show? <laughs> Well, where's the uh, website? We've <laughs> there. Uh, I, I think uh, in our our realm of historic preservation, when you don't, uh, when your work can't be seen, you've done a good job. Yeah, right. So yeah. we've done everything from outhouses to state houses. So if you go to Saguaro Ranch in Glendale, yes. you can see the restored ranch houses and farmyard that we worked on there. So we even had to replicate the outhouse. If you want to go to the other end of the spectrum, we are right now working on remaster planning the interiors of our state house at the state capitol. That's fantastic. Architect and good friend, Don Ryden. I always enjoy our time together. Well, thanks a lot, Rosie. It was good to be here in Wickenburg, uh, especially to uh, help unearth some architectural nuggets in honor of Henry Wickenburg. Henry Wickenburg. Happy 200th. All right. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. Riding out west. Broadcasting from Wickenburg, Arizona this morning. Don Ryden is one of those guys I could just have on every week. He's kind of poetic in his speaking and presentation, right? Uh, I mean, um, there, when you want to talk about uh, architectural history, he, he's, he's one of my most favorite. And the fact that we go back so far together, uh, and we're going to talk more architectural history in the next hour. But during our interview with Don, we had several questions pile up that we want to address about pool water elevation, termites, what to do about water treatment, holiday projects, uh, a Fountain Hills condo that's incurring water damage from drainage problems from the neighbor's yard. But right now we have Miss Suzanne on the phone from Tucson. Let's take her call since she's actually on hold right now. Suzanne? Yes, thank you. I'm here. Hey, so, good morning. Um, I was <laughs> good morning to you. I'm outside feeding my horses. Oh, um, so, that's... Uh, to my... to... Yeah, so to my point, I actually do have a real ranch house. Okay. Um, it was built in 1980, flat roof, red adobe, as stated. And um, it has not been upgraded or remodeled. The interior is knotty pine wood walls and um, hardwood floors. And I'm afraid to put granite countertops in my kitchen because I think it'll look stupid. <laughs> I'd like your opinion. <laughs> well, I... Um, now you're asking a guy that that okay, has well, built. Definition of stupid, stupid. Doesn't match the house. The rest of the house. Uh, I've built underground shooting ranges for people in their living room. I've built basements underneath existing houses. If you design it, I can build it, but I can't design my way out of a paper bag. I was actually. Uh, working for an architect in Phoenix by the name of George Christensen as I was beginning to go through my uh, uh, bachelor degree work at ASU. And I went to work for George thinking I would go into architecture. 
And after about two years working for George, he says, you know what, Rosie? You'd make a real good structural engineer. <laughs> he said most architects are just going to bust tables for the first three years after they graduate anyway. So he talked me. I can't design. But here's what I've seen, Miss Suzanne, in the hundreds of kitchens and baths we've remodeled. In that ranch home that you've got, burnt adobe interior bricks, wood paneling, wood floors, uh, any countertop you'd like will go fine. In my personal opinion, I just wouldn't get really busy with a bunch of grain pattern. I'd make it a, a fairly uniform slab, and I, th I think you'd be fine. Uh, you're going to work on top of it. I tell you what, Jennifer and I have had granite. We've had ceramic tile. But my most favorite countertop of all time, and I'll never have a kitchen without it, is solid maple wood. We love solid maple wood countertops. And uh, we have an island in our home that's 10 feet long and 4 feet wide. And the whole thing is butcher block top. And it's a natural uh, bacteria. Uh, the molecules in the maple wood are a natural bacteria killer. If you keep it wiped down, it's one of the cleanest surfaces. Uh, Jennifer, you have to maintain it. I would consider it a pretty low maintenance top. No, oh, it's very low maintenance. Every yeah. once in a while you sand it and then just keep it oiled. Yeah. So remember, Suzanne. But it would be too much wood, like wood wood walls, wood countertops. You could never have too much wood. <laughs> Speaking from a carpenter's perspective. Uh, but, okay. But, but really, you could go, Suzanne, any direction you want to go. You really could. Granite would be fine. Uh, my personal okay. opinion would just be don't go right. with any too wild. And then consider what you can do on the backsplashes. Is it the granite itself? that you turn up and go to the bottom of your upper cabinets? Or do you put in, you know, a toned-down uh, subway tile or something like that, which we do a lot of? Miss Suzanne, if you want to send a picture mm -hmm. to Info at Rosie on the House, we'll take a look at it and, you know, kind of pass it around to some of the designers I'll, we know. Yeah. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're questioning <laughs> Rosie's design, which he's given you every right to. So, <laughs> yeah, send me a picture, info at rosieonthehouse.com. Okay, that's a great idea. I'll do that. You guys have okay. a great day. Thank you Thank you, you much. too. Well, we've kind of run out of time to co cover some current events, which I wanted to cover. Uh, APS has is under a whole new set of scrutinizing eyes and their rate increase. And, the you know, we talked about it a lot on air, the computer model that they had. You could go on and yeah. it would help you pick the right plan. Well, I guess it helped you pick the wrong plan in some instances. But I will tell you this, if you were a regular listener of Rosie on House, that computer model would not have tricked you because the things we taught you to do would have pre-informed you before you made that decision. So, and how about all the cities, Sedona, Scottsdale, Tucson, uh, that are coming up with city council specialty hearings on these short-term rentals. I mean, this is going to become a bigger and bigger deal, especially in light of the higher-end communities where a house is left empty for people to rent uh, during high tourist season. tourist season times to throw big neighborhood bash parties. There was one not too far from our house that had the police there. Uh, these short-term rentals, there's going to be some new rules come down on that by way of council hearings, I'm sure. When we get back, we have more special guests. We've got more events, and we'll take your questions right here 
at Rosie on the House.